Hello, I'm Katie Sewell, and this is A Bittersweet Moment with Tiffany Parks. Hello, and welcome to The Bittersweet Life. I'm Tiffany Parks, and this is your midweek bittersweet moment. Now, as we've talked about on this show for a while, and you've definitely heard if you follow us on social media, neither Katie and I are really doing any travel right now even though it is still the height of summer. And, uh, you know, I don't think we're alone in that. Most Americans are not able to travel at least outside of the country beyond one or two countries in the entire world, something which we will be putting out an episode on next Monday. So stay tuned for that episode. You know, a lot of people, even if they don't have restrictions on their travel by law, are just traveling a little bit less right now for health reasons, for financial reasons, or just to try to keep everybody else in the world as safe as possible. So I don't think that we are alone in our groundedness. So I thought it might be fun to talk about a bit of a travel disaster that I had. Now, we we did an episode on this a month or so ago, a month or two ago, called Travel Trauma. That's episode 232, if you haven't heard it. And I probably could have talked about this in that episode, but it didn't come to my mind. Because it's not a true disaster. It was an epically disorganized trip. It was also one of my very first times traveling overseas by myself. I had traveled to France by myself a couple years earlier when I was, I believe, 16. But that was to be a foreign exchange student. It was all organized by my mom. And, you know, I had people picking me up at the airport, grown-ups, um... But this was the first time that I went without any organization that hadn't been done by myself. I was 19 years old. And it really makes me laugh almost at how badly I organized the travel aspect of this trip. I mean, it was clear that I did not have any experience doing so and not that much experience traveling full stop. But I was determined to go. So a little bit of background. I had just finished my first year in college and I was back at home in Seattle for the summer. And my boyfriend, whom I had met at school, was in Italy. He was an Italophile like myself. Hi, Jonathan, if you're listening. I know he sometimes listens to the show. He had, in his senior year of high school the year before, become very good friends with a foreign exchange student from Italy who was studying at his school. They had become best of friends. They were both musicians Uh, The Italian kid played jazz clarinet. Jonathan, incredibly talented at pretty much any instrument you put in his hand, Um, but he was particularly good at piano. And the two of them had concocted this plan that the year after their first year in college, Jonathan was going to fly to Italy and live with this Italian kid's family for the summer. Well, I was home in Seattle, having actually a pretty nice summer when I think about it now. But Jonathan said, you should come. You should come for at least two weeks, the last two weeks, the last two weeks in August. I'm not sure. Maybe it was my idea. Maybe I forced myself on that Italian family. I don't remember all the particulars, but all I know is apparently the parents of this Italian kid said I could come. I was going to come for a week, and then we were going to go down to somewhere on the southern coast of Italy for another week. They were living in Cremona, which is in the north of Italy, not far from Milan. It's a really lovely small medieval town. Jonathan, of course, spoke fluent Italian. I don't know how he picked it up in like 
you know, like one summer. He was just like that. I didn't really speak any at all. I, I spoke a little bit. Now, I had taken one year in school, so I did speak a little bit, and I was just dying to get over there. So my mom said, okay, you can go, but you have to finance it on your own. I had been working for my dad all summer, so I put some money aside. And also, and this is where I really made my fatal flaw making this these travel plans, is that I said, I have a ticket already to fly to Boston because that's where I was going to school. And I had this ticket paid for already from Seattle to Boston. And I knew this was true at the time. It's not as true anymore. But at the time, this is a long time ago, people, it was much, much cheaper to fly to Europe from the East Coast of US than it was to fly from the West Coast. And so I said, you know, why would I buy a ticket from Seattle all the way to Rome or wherever in Italy and back again if I'm just going to uh, have to turn around and then fly to Boston again. It makes much more sense to fly directly from Boston. Okay, but I had nowhere to stay in Boston because the dorms obviously were not open until September. So I decided that I would just fly to Boston on my regular ticket and I would buy a round-trip ticket to Milan from Boston. Makes sense, right? It would be much cheaper. And so that's what I did. I purchased a ticket from Boston to Milan, planning to go to Cremona. Well... A couple things in this story are not my fault. One of them is that the family decided to invert their plans. And instead of the first week of my stay being at home in Cremona and the second week being down on the coast, they decided to switch that. I didn't find out until after I had booked my ticket, Jonathan called me and said, listen, you got to change your ticket. You got to fly into Rome. They're going to be in the south when you get there. Well, I couldn't change the ticket. It was too much money. So I bought a ticket, a domestic Italian flight from Milan to Rome. So I pack my bags. I'm very excited. And of course, I have an enormous amount of stuff because I had to basically take back everything that I was going to take to college with me. I had to take on this trip because I had nowhere to leave it in Boston. And I'm actually not just pretty sure. I'm 100% sure that this is the hat box trip. <laughs> um, go back and listen to episode Hatbox. I don't have the number off the top of my head, but <laughs> we talk about the craziest and dumbest things we ever traveled with. And I talk about my Hatbox story. I brought two Hatboxes with me on this trip, a large suitcase, and then at least one or two other carry-ons. <laughs> Back in those days, traveling was a lot different. You could get away with a lot more, especially if you were traveling internationally. So what I didn't mention was, and what I didn't consider when I was planning all this, was that my flight from Seattle to Boston, which, as I mentioned, was already bought and paid for, changed planes in St. Louis, Missouri. Now, if you've ever flown from Seattle to Boston, you know that St. Louis, Missouri is completely out of the way. It makes the trip about three to four hours longer than it should be. So I flew out in the morning and I arrive in St. Louis. It's a four-hour flight. It's not short. And I had some ridiculously long layover in St. Louis, like three hours. And then I flew from St. Louis to Boston. And that's another, I don't know, three hours or so. Here I am in Boston and I have to get all my bags because, of course, my flight from Boston to Milan is not on the same airline and it's not even on the same ticket as my original flight. They were bought separately. So I have to go and wait in the checkout and get all my bags and leave the airport and come back in and check in all over again. And my flight from Boston to Milan was also not direct because I don't believe there was a direct flight from Boston to Milan at that time. And so I fly to New York. I've gone Seattle to St. Louis, St. Louis to Boston, Boston to New York. And now it's time 
to fly to Milan. And already I've done three flights. I'm exhausted. I arrive in Milan and this is when everything could have come crashing down. <laughs> what I didn't know until that moment was that my flight from JFK to Milan flew into the Malpensa airport, which is their big international airport, their transcontinental airport. But my domestic flight from Milan to Rome was out of Linate, which is their smaller airport. So, <laughs> I mean, thank God for that one year of Italian because I was able to figure this all out. I had luckily enough time in between my flights. I had to grab one of those airport shuttles. And I mean, I thinking back at this all, I'm like, how did I even survive? It's one of those things where you just, you do it because you have to do it, not because you're prepared. You do it because you have no choice. You can't just crawl up into a ball in the corner of the airport and cry. <laughs> and these are some of the great things that travel really does teach you, even when these disasters happen. So I get all my stuff. I lug myself through the airport. I get onto a shuttle bus and I take this shuttle bus through the outskirts of Milan to the Linate airport. I get there. It was the only time in my life when I was arriving at the gate when they were closing the doors. You know, the last call. If you're not on the airplane now, it's too late. I was really lucky that this was all happening in the 90s when things were just easier. It was just easier to travel by airplane because everybody was much more lax. You could get there much later. You didn't have to go through nearly as much security. I get there, literally, they're like closing the door and they see me and I'm like, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> and they let me on just by the skin of my teeth. I make it onto this flight. That was my first time flying Alitalia, by the way. And actually, it was a pretty good experience. I arrived in Rome and thank the Lord, Jonathan had come all the way up to get me at the airport because by that point, it was like, there's no way I had the senses to keep going. Like I just, I didn't have the energy I didn't count up the hours, but I'm sure that by that time, it was pushing 24 hours. Jonathan, bless his heart, knew that we were going to be in the South, but he didn't ask this Italian family specifically, like, what's the closest Italian airport to where we are going to be? Naples would have been much closer, but unfortunately, he just assumed Rome was the closest airport to where we were going. So after him picking me up at the baggage claim, in Rome. And my gosh, I don't know if I've ever been happier to see someone in my life as I was to see him. And he knew how to deal with the Rome metro. He knew how to get the trains. I think I would have collapsed, fallen onto the train tracks if I hadn't had him there. So we take the metro through the city. I just remember being so hot. Coming from Seattle, I was just not prepared for the heat of Italy in August. Then we have to get a train. And let me tell you, these were not the Eurostar direct from Rome to Salerno. I don't understand really why we didn't get the direct Eurostar. I think Eurostar existed back in those days. I'm pretty sure there was Eurostar in the late 1990s. But for whatever reason, we ended up on a regional train. One of those slow trains that's just hot, no air conditioning. You're in like an enclosed space with five other people. We had to change trains at least once in Battipaglia. If you've traveled by train in southern Italy, you probably know the name of that town because it's a big place where lots of people change trains. And we eventually get to the town of Pisciotta, I want to say. Pisciotto? Never been there again, so I'm not sure. That was like the dinky little local train station where we finally got off. We get a taxi. We take the taxi to the town of Palinuro which is a little seaside town 
south of Salerno, there we finally arrived. By the time I arrived at my final destination, it was, I want to say, about 10 p.m. in Italy the next day. So keep in mind, I departed my home probably at 8 or 9 in the morning on day one, and I arrived at 10 p.m. the next day with nine hours of time difference. I don't even want to count up the hours. It's just too horrific. But that is the story of my very first self-planned European trip. And I do want to say that the trip ended up being really wonderful. We stayed in this Italian, they call them villaggio turistico over here. Like it's a little village, a tourist village. You've got, you know, your restaurants, your discotheque, you've got the beach, the pools, all of that. Somehow this Italian guy, this friend of Jonathan's and Jonathan himself had convinced these people that they, because the parents were there vacationing, but we were not there on vacation. We were performing. (laughs) I'm not sure if I knew this before. I think I knew this. I think this was part of the deal. We got to stay there for free and in exchange every night, just once a night. So it was really actually a pretty good deal. Jonathan played piano. The Italian boy, whose name I'll just say, Florindo, I hope he doesn't mind me saying that. He played clarinet and I sang. And we sang jazz standards every night in the little outdoor club. And it was wonderful. It was great. And in the daytime, we just hung out at the beach. I think back on it a lot. And it was really a wonderful, you know, despite how torturous getting there was. It was truly a wonderful time. And then we spent a week in Cremona, which is an adorable town. I highly recommend visiting. There's a Caravaggio painting there, which, of course, I don't even think I knew who Caravaggio was back in those days. So I didn't see it. So if I ever get back to Cremona, I'm definitely going to go see that painting. But it's a lovely town, and it was really beautiful in late summer. I just remember sitting out in the piazzas and eating ice cream. It was really great. And that's it. That's the story that I wanted to tell you today. So be grateful, maybe, that you're at home sitting on your front porch, sipping lemonade in the comfort of your own domain, not on your sixth or seventh flight of the day. (laughs) There are some things to be said about being at home and how relaxing it is. But of course, who am I kidding? I can't wait to start traveling again, and I'm sure that you all feel the same. I hope you enjoyed this bittersweet moment. Join us again. Bye. Thanks for joining us. Subscribe to the show if you haven't already. And if you love it, leave us a good review and tell all of your friends about us. Also, if you have an idea for a bittersweet moment, send it to us by email or voice memo. We're at bittersweetlife at mail.com or find us using the contact page at thebittersweetlife.net.